I'm delighted to be joined today by Anthony Scaramucci, founder of Skybridge and noted political figure. Thank you so much for being with us today, Anthony. Noted political figure. You could have said infamous, notorious. That was very nice of you. Thank you. Good to be here, Nisa. Absolutely. So and you've, I and know- you beat me on Room Raider. I can. You've already beaten me on Room Raider. Good job. <laughs> I know that you've recently bought some more gold and have long been looking at the digital asset space. What is your view right now? Are you buying any Bitcoin or other digital assets? Well, at the at the fund level, we have yet to buy digital assets, but what our firm has been doing since I returned to Skybridge in 2018, we've done a deep dive into the digital asset space. I am a fan. Uh, I believe that digital assets have a future. Obviously, the blockchain has a future. And digital assets, because of the way our generations work, the millennials are enraptured by digital assets. And I don't know what the demographic is below the millennials. Maybe it's Generation X. Maybe that's what it's called. That, That bubble of demography is going to push digital assets up, in my opinion, into the stratosphere. I also believe that uh, if you are able to develop a confidential chain of transfer of wealth through the blockchain, as an example, it will be once again transformative for the country. And so weirdly, as prominent as something like Amazon is right now, just imagine if you took all of those intermediaries out of the chain, meaning right now, We go to Amazon to buy goods from different suppliers, but if you had a interlocked, secure blockchain and you could transfer money electronically, you you might be able to cut out even more middle people. You may be able to save the consumer even more money. And so 25 or 50 years from now, the companies that we think are here and are here forever may not be. You know, I'm old enough, you're certainly not, but I'm old enough to remember AOL and everybody thought, well, that's how we're going to get our internet for the next hundred years. And that didn't happen. And and believe it or not, there was a company prior to that that was developed inside of Sears Roebuck, which was called Prodigy. So, so the blockchain is going to provide this amazing future. Uh, it'll be a digital asset future, frankly. Uh, if you want to talk about fiat currency and the destruction of value through fiat currency. I'm happy to talk about that as well. I think that's going to be another, I think that's going to be another pressing issue. I don't think we're there yet. And I think that stuff, frankly, is exaggerated from a macroeconomic perspective uh, because the United States still has a reserve currency. The United States still has a tremendous amount of balance sheet flexibility And again, just if we're just talking about demography, people over the age of 50, which I happen to be, that group of people, 50 until the RIP zone, right? You're 50 and then you're heading for rest in peace. That group of demography, they are still old-fashioned. They are still tied to the U.S. dollar, the euro, the yen, and fiat currency. And so that will exist longer than the digital currency mavens want it to, or even potentially believe, but that doesn't mean that there won't be a great future for digital assets. 
And there could be some combination thereof, like um, China's digital yuan, the U.S. digital dollar alongside with crypto, alongside fiat. There could be a basket. I agree with that. I think that the, uh, the digital yuan is a transformative moment. The U.S. is reluctant to do that. We both know the obvious reasons why the U.S. doesn't want to do that. They want to be able to control the picture. They've been using the U.S. dollar as a foil of uh, against our political adversaries, you know, whether we're sanctioning North Korea or sanctioning places like Iran or freezing dollar assets around the world uh, for our adversaries. You can't do that in the digital marketplace, as we both know. Uh, and so I think that's where the general reluctancy is from the United States. And I think that's the reason why the U.S. Treasury came so hard at Libra. Uh, I don't know where Libra is going. You probably know better than me. But it seemed like Libra fizzled out. Uh, it didn't seem like Facebook was up for the fight uh, to put Libra into the uh, commercial marketplace. Well, it's still going, but uh, we'll see what happens there. It might have been the sacrificial lamb for Facebook, but um... for now, it feels that way to me. For now, because they have so many other problems as it relates to the information on Facebook, the false information on Facebook, the portrayal of different things going on on Facebook, the capturing of data, they're under the scrutiny of the Congress to such an extent that it may be beneficial to them not to uh, pursue Libra right at this moment. That doesn't mean something like Ethereum or something like Bitcoin is not here to stay and won't have a long-term uh, uh, commercial viability. I believe that they will. And, and, and listen, I mean, if you're going to run three, four, five trillion dollars of deficit spending in a year, and the U.S. economy is a 22, 23 trillion dollar economy, and you're going to have you know 25 to 30 percent in deficit spending from your government, uh, you just have to think about the magnitude of that, right? They're taking in three trillion in tax revenues, but you're going to have an eight trillion dollar budget, you know, budget, and five of it's going to be in deficit spending, that's going to eventually have an impact. People can pretend that it isn't. I am not a modern monetary theorist. If you like that stuff, you should read Stephanie Kilton's book called The Deficit Myth. It's a very, very good book. It explains a lot of reasons why we have laxity and latitude on deficit spending. But she does point out correctly in the book that deficits do matter and they cannot go on forever. The apple cart will get upset and people will lose faith in that currency. And so, uh, and you know, as you lose faith in a currency, living standards change. So there are so many reasons why digital assets will have a future. And some of it is born from uh, the way we operate our governments. And remember our governments are about uh, give out as much as you possibly can and overpromise uh, as much as you possibly can so that you can stay in power. You know, democracies are set up to have this sort of long-term disorganization. Right, and just since the pandemic, we've seen this wave of institutional validation of this asset class with George Ball, who's the former Prudential Security CEO, uh, Jamie Dimon turning around, um, Goldman advising their clients to avoid Bitcoin in June, but then now building out its digital asset team, Paul Tudor Jones, MicroStrategy's treasury investment of 250 million just last week. 
Yes. So, you know, are we at that point where a BlackRock is an investor in MicroStrategy? Are we at the point where you expect to see more digital adoption from institutions? You know, I, I think so. Yes, I, I think so. I don't, I don't think it's going away. And again, I have five children, three of which are millennials, and they are ready to transact and buy their Tesla in Bitcoin. They, they're not fearful of it the way the older guard is. And so, uh, yes, and, that, and that's typically what happens. You know, you think something's not going to change until that younger person gets a little older and they're already used to doing things the way they're doing them and therefore the change happens, you know? So, uh, you know, I have friends of mine that are in their eighties and they have their assistants read to them their emails and then they respond to the emails through dictation and the assistant is typing out the email. You know, they're in their eighties. They never read an email when they were in their forties or fifties. And so they're not going to do it now in their eighties. But you've got people that are my children's age in their mid-20s where they have a USB that has some digital currencies on it. And they have an idea about where they think these digital currencies are going to be. And uh, you tell me. I mean, if you have a fixed supply of Bitcoins. And so, therefore, uh, definitionally, there's a stability to that currency that cannot be corrupted by a central bank or a government. Uh, that all of a sudden becomes intrinsically a store of value. Now, if you say to somebody, well, all it is is a computer code or it's a sequencing of code, and so therefore, why should that have value? And you say, okay, well, why should the piece of paper in my pocket have value? Okay, it has value because there's a perception that it has value, and it has value, and it's a store of value, either in the Bitcoin's case or gold's case, scarcity issues, uh, uh, the definitions that the population will put on it. Uh, And so we're getting there now where there's a very large group of the population that is willing to define value in things like an Ethereum or Bitcoin. And, and, And so anyway, the same way that they would a dollar or a piece of paper in somebody's pocket. And so, so listen, uh, you know it. I know it. The question is, how do you invest in it? I have been slower moving on it because I've got my own complications and my own business. Will Skybridge someday have a digital asset uh, fund or be affiliated with a digital asset fund? I think that's a distinct possibility. I'm waiting because I'm tied to a lot of these old firms. You know, my marketing platform is tied to places like Merrill Lynch and uh, Morgan Stanley and UBS. And so um, I don't want them to think I'm losing the investment discipline that I have in my core business by reaching into that area yet. But as it starts to mainstream, we'll, be, we'll definitely be more involved. Great. So given that we're in the middle of an election in the US. And- Are we? I didn't realize that. We are? Who's running? (laughs) The Trump administration has come out against Bitcoin. Uh, You know, do you think there's any candidates that would be uh, pro uh, digital currencies? And do you think that uh, implementing blockchain in voter fraud is a possibility? Well, certainly not with the president, right? Because he's taking mailboxes away and he's trying to figure out a way if he can, you know, 
put the odds of electoral success in his favor. So he's not going to want to eliminate that sort of level of manipulation. I think you also find in our democracy, the brutal truth of our democracy is that the people that are in power, the political establishment, like the fact that there's scant voter participation. So imagine if I told you uh, I could vote from this computer terminal that I'm talking to you from. My fingerprint identifies me as the voter. The blockchain, excuse me, the blockchain transfers that information to the board of elections. So now we know that my vote is actually my vote, and it was done over the blockchain. So we know that the transfer of the information was quite secure, and therefore there would be no fraud. Uh, and we were able to get our voter participation up from 49% to 89%. Well, your politicians would not like that because that would cause a disruption of their power base and that would cause a, a recirculation of the elite. Uh, lots and lots of Americans are unsatisfied with the political establishment, but they don't vote. There's voter apathy. But if you made it so convenient that they could vote from this computer screen over the blockchain, and let's say you opened up the voting on September 1st and said, okay, you know, the presidential election, the final vote tally will be November 3rd and go to your computer and log in and tell us who you want to have be the American president. These people would flip out over something like that. They wouldn't want that. So what you're saying is- Any more than they would want a third party, Nisa. They don't want that either. Right. So based on last night's DNC, what you're saying is the Democratic Party would be more in supporting digital assets. Well, I don't know. I think what happens is if you get the top job and you're sitting there with the Federal Reserve Chairman and the Treasury Secretary and they're saying, well, if we move in the direction of digital assets, the dollar is going to lose its sanctioning strength. I'm not just talking about the dollar as a store of value or the dollar as the global reserve currency. The United States has used the dollar as a political weapon against its adversaries. So if you're Vice President Biden, now president, and you're sitting in an intelligence briefing and you're in the, uh, you know, you're in the Oval Office talking about this, or you're in the Situation Room downstairs from the Oval talking about it, and they tell you, okay, yeah, that is the future, but right now we have all of this political power by knocking down Bitcoin, knocking down Libra, and allowing for continued dollar superiority on the globe, uh, they'll probably be inclined not to want it. Uh, you mentioned, are there political, you know, somebody like an Andrew Yang, I don't know if you remember him, he was running for president, a very thoughtful, uh, genius tech entrepreneur. He's embraced the digital assets. Uh, the fact that China is embracing the digital assets means that we're gonna to have to at some point. Question is when, in my opinion, our political leadership will wait as long as humanly possible. Right, and we have the digital yuan being implemented and in, in the US we have the digital dollar committee, to your point. Correct, correct. So back, back to your All point- born from the reality of the politics, I might add. Yes, back to your point about generational differences. You've said previously most inflation-proofing hard assets have mostly been the preserve of the middle classes. And Coinbase reported a four times wave of increase 
of $1,200 deposits as soon as the stimulus checks went out? Have we, you know, has the Fed simply setting the scene to naturally push this disenfranchised generation that's been left economically detached, uh, you know, to just invest in digital assets? Good. It's a it's a good question, and so a portion of that demography, yes, is the answer. All of that demography, no, but a portion of that demography, yes. And uh, unfortunately, if we look back on this era, a hundred years from now, there will be a historian that writes, "Man, that baby boomer generation really screwed things up. They were transferred." Uh, power from the greatest generation that fought the Second World War and helped build the post-World War II architecture. But boy, those are really a selfish, narcissistic group of people that took power and they sort of wrecked the system. They ran up $20 trillion of deficits. They didn't, they weren't careful in terms of managing the fiscal budget. They over-promised people. They under-delivered. They allowed the infrastructure to crumble. They allowed the educational system particularly the public K through 12 educational system to become uneven. And all of this caused them to lose confidence in their currency, a result of which a large portion of that population after the baby boomers went into the digital side uh, because they weren't worried about the manipulation of the government on the digital side. And so listen, I mean, we have to take a pause, in my opinion, and we have to try to reconstruct our political leadership, and we have to get it back onto things that are based on right or wrong as opposed to left or right. And so uh, are we going to do that? I don't know. Uh, you know, If you study Gibbons and the decline and fall of the Roman emperor, empire, they couldn't do it. They got to a period of time where they went into steady decline. Now, if you look at the United States, it's only 244 years old, but everything you and I both know is accelerating because of what's going on in the world in terms of technology. Uh, so something in the ancient world that could last a thousand years, 500 years, maybe can't last as long uh, in the modern world. But what I would like to do is cheat that history. I would like to figure out a way if we can hack the political system and get back to something that's more balanced and get some back to something that's more practical. Uh, and also, I think if you talk to people directly, instead of through all this political speak, uh, you may reach them. They may say, well, wait a minute, that sounds like it makes sense. We need a 25-year plan. You're mentioning China. Part of China's 25 and 50-year plan is digital assets and a digital yuan. They see the digital yuan as circumventing the dollar if it's handled properly. And so, why shouldn't we get ahead of that? Why are we waiting? You know, and, and, and so my point is, we, we, we've got to take a step back on this stuff and we've got to sort of stop the current political madness of what we're all living in. Where are we on inflationary versus deflationary and how do you think that will affect Bitcoin? Well, I think we are still in a deflationary situation, even though we're manufacturing all this money, all this great deficit spending, if you look at lost economic output as a result of the crisis, you probably have 15 to $20 trillion of lost global economic output. So you can manufacture a lot of money without it showing up in inflation data. <coughs> Having said that, 
perception in the marketplace is nine-tenths of the law. So when you see these historic numbers of deficit spending, money printing, uh, you can see why the perception from an investment point of view is, let me run towards gold, let me run towards Bitcoin. You know, Back in 2009 and 10, we made an investment in gold similar to the one that we're making right now. We weren't long-term gold bugs, but we said, okay, there's a lot of money printing going on. This will mean that gold will move up in price because people will have that perception. Remember what John Maynard Keynes said? about stock market investing. He said, well, we're all judges at a beauty contest. And it's not for us to judge who is beautiful, but we have to judge who we think the fellow judges think are beautiful. And that's what makes the markets. And so right now our fellow judges are saying that the gold prices and Bitcoin and digital assets that have more fixed uh, value as opposed to manipulative value, uh, they're going to go up. And so that's why we're involved right now. Great. Well, thank you so much for your insights and for being with us today and looking forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, I hope I get a chance to, to see you face to face, hopefully when this ends, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much.